This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture, but it's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Penn State fans, Bob Flounders, Johnny Magano. It is Thursday, April 20th, as we record this edition of the Blue White Breakdown. Donnie, you have been one busy guy um, this spring, but it's only because James Franklin and his recruiters have been very busy as well. And in addition to covering spring football, you have been you've been on high alert for the last couple of weeks, and with good reason because I don't know. I'm, I know that he's had some really successful springs, James and his staff, over the years, but this one has got to be right up there, if not the best. You've been busy. Uh, we talked about the blue-white game earlier in the week on the blue-white breakdown, but let's get specific about, let's do this. Let's let's kind of get your thoughts on all the things that they've done. You just had a tremendous story that ran on Penn Live. We're going to tout that out. And maybe at the end, we'll go to maybe what you think are maybe the two or three biggest things that have happened in Penn State recruiting since the Rose Bowl, if you had to kind of rank those. But wherever you want to start with this, they, these guys are crazy busy. Uh, stockpiling talent 2024 and 2025 and it's almost every day there's there's some kind of whether it's something's lined up or something might happen or somebody's in there puts Penn State in their top five it's been crazy Johnny so you, you get started and I'll, I'll fill in the I'll fill in the blanks man well yeah I mean you know we can obviously talk about Quentin Martin the biggest member uh, in terms of profile uh, in the, the 2024 class arguably their top target in the cycle We'll talk plenty about him in a minute, and I was able to sit down with Quentin, with his head coach at Bell Vernon, uh, just 30 miles south here of Pittsburgh, and you know get to know them, get to know what kind of player he is, and um, so we'll talk about that in a bit. But let's just start, I guess, with the most newsiest piece here, which is Donovan Harbor, a four-star offensive lineman from Wisconsin, uh, committing. We were originally going to record this podcast, I believe, on Wednesday, and I'm like, you know, let's uh, let's wait uh, maybe a day because there's going to be a little bit more news yeah. uh, coming. This was telegraphed a bit. But, uh, yeah, a big pickup uh, for Penn State's 2024 class. And, you know, look, it's not it's not every day that Penn State goes into Wisconsin and gets yeah. uh, some some places rank him as the best player in the state. Um, some differing circumstances around that. Uh, just reading uh, Wisconsin's writer uh, at The Athletic had noted that when Luke Fickle and his staff came in, they didn't re-offer uh, Donovan Harbor, uh, who had previously had an offer from the Badgers. So not sure what's going on there, but Penn State will happily have him in their class. Uh, not only, again, you know, the, the top player in Wisconsin, but one of the top uh, offensive linemen in the country overall. Um, and it just continues a really good run that Phil Troutline is on, offensive line coach for Penn yeah. State. You know, the 2023 class, bringing in Javen Williams from Wyoming, missing the five-star as well as you know, three four-stars, Alex Birchmeyer and Anthony Donka from Virginia, and then Chim Diona right before um, or right at the February signing day. Um, and then in the 2024 class, you've got now Harbor in, in tow. Cooper Cousins from McDowell started things off. And uh, over the, the blue-white weekend, they got that commit from Wyoming's uh, Caleb Brewer. Yeah. Uh, and then in the 2025 class, I've got Jalen Matthews as a four-star from New Jersey. So Really good work being done right now by Phil Troutwine, you know, in the trenches along the offensive line, uh, and again another really big pickup for this 2024 class, which 
ranks in the top 10 wherever you look in terms of recruiting outlets. So Luke Fickle, the new Wisconsin coach, a guy that coached, did really get a great job at Cincinnati, played football uh, at Ohio State, coached at Ohio State. So he knows he knows the Midwest well. He knows the country well. He knows presumably what works at Wisconsin. He he, I don't want to say he passed on this kid, but he 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 did decided not to re to kind of re up with the uh, top player in Wisconsin. It's, I thought of when you were saying that, Johnny. I thought, is it is it not true? Ohio State wasn't all all that wild about Drew Aller. I mean, I know they had some other irons in the fire, but it just brought to mind something like that. Is that accurate or no? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in recruiting, sometimes it gets weird, uh, whether it's like, you know, a a relationship with a new coach. Um, And it doesn't seem like from what I've read, it doesn't seem like there's any like bad blood between. uh, So uh, Donovan Harbor goes to Catholic Memorial uh, High School in uh, Waukesha. Uh, If any Wisconsin natives, uh, you know, if that's wrong, let me know. Um, (laughs) We're going to need to know as Donovan Harbor, assuming he's in signs. Uh, and also, Penn State is after one of his teammates, 2024 running back uh, Corey Smith, um, as well. And, you know, he's a guy who also I don't believe is going to be going to Wisconsin and very well could come to Penn State, uh, even though they already have Quentin Martin in the 2024 class and Keandre Barker uh, in the 2025 class as a first running back. So, yeah, they're just, again, you talk about, I talked about Phil Troutline doing a really good job. Jaywan Sider has been doing a great job as well. Uh, recruiting running backs, specifically Pennsylvania running backs, but they might be able to go into Wisconsin and get a, a, a four-star right after getting a four-star in Barker from a, from a Texas high school. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, and sometimes Bob in recruiting, it's just weird. You know, yeah. Sometimes you know, they're just, um, you know, situations, whether it's a new coach or, or whatever, but it doesn't seem like there's any bad blood between the Catholic Memorial coaches and Luke Fickle. So, um yeah, maybe they just didn't think he was good enough. Uh, but again, that seems odd when he's the when Donovan Harbor is the number seven ranked interior yeah. offensive lineman in the country. Um, so again, I think Phil Troutwine and the Nittany Lions will gladly take him. Uh, yeah. There were a lot of other schools that were in on him as well. Yeah, and I think I believe Robert Windsor, who played uh, defensive tackle at Penn State, very good player at Penn State, was a was a Wisconsin high school uh, star. Played played very productive player for Penn State along their defensive line. Jerry Cross as well from Milwaukee. Jerry Cross from the Milwaukee area. Shout out Milwaukee. Um, Great but, city. Uh, have you ever been? How many times have you been to Milwaukee, Bob? You like in Milwaukee? Uh, you know what? I I've been to I, I, I was in Milwaukee about twenty years ago. Uh, we, yeah. I wanted to see uh, that their new park, and yeah. uh, so I, I went a long weekend with some friends just to check it out. Love love the area. Love the park. Um, so I have not had a. It's a ch- it's a place I would recommend though. But yeah. <laughs> I guess when you I guess when you're looking at places to go, like a vac- a, a summer vacation in Milwaukee, uh, you got to be a special kind of person to have that maybe on your top three list. Especially when Chicago is not that far away. But right, I get it, Johnny. So um, I, two, just two things about running back, right? So you uh, I want to talk about the Quentin Mar- Quentin Martin story that you just wrote, but. Just for Penn State fans, I mean, let's just keep it. James Frank, there's there's a reason why you're seeing a lot of running backs. I think on on Penn State's radar, Penn State is going to be not too far removed from life without. You hate to think about it, life without Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. If these guys continue uh, to develop, and all indications are they they sure look good this spring, and you know, assuming good health, 
Um, the odds of them staying at Penn State more than three years are probably pretty long. So um, they they added they were able to add Trey Potts uh, in the transfer portal because they needed some depth. But I mean, if you look at the future of the running back position, once you get past the 2024 season, it could be a little murky. So I mean, that you're this is why you're seeing I think. Uh, some really talented runners want to come to Penn State. They see how Penn State kind of turns these guys out, uh, and how they and they go on to successful careers. They see how they're 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 really good at recruiting not only in state but you know nationally to get some running backs. So it is it's not a coincidence you're seeing some running backs. I think uh, kind of look Penn State's way. But I wanted to I wanted you to focus primarily on kind of what you learned uh, in the process of writing your story on Penn Live about Quentin Martin. Yeah. Um, just first, I guess, on Penn State's running back situation, just to touch on that, like they've got Nick Singleton and Katron Allen right now as the top two backs. Trey Potts coming in from Minnesota, like you mentioned. Uh, they have 2023 signees, London Montgomery and Cameron Wallace coming into the fold uh, mm-hmm. this summer. Montgomery, who's coming off of an ACL tear that forced him to miss his senior season. And then Cameron Wallace, who you know, is a speedster, but he was a late ad in the class and it kind of felt like it was a, hey, if we don't get a transfer guy, like we need, and if, and if Montgomery isn't good to go or if there's a setback, like we need another scholarship running back here to provide, you know, backup cover for, for Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. So, um, yeah, like pro- a couple promising tailbacks there in the 2023 class, but to get Quentin Martin, uh, yeah. this is the guy that they have been recruiting uh, since he was really a freshman. I mean, he got his first offer uh, November of his freshman year when he was 14 years old from Pitt, um, and then you know into that uh, into that spring, uh, the spring of his freshman year, offers from Penn State, West Virginia, Virginia Tech, the regional schools, and then his profile just continued to grow in Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan. Uh, some of those heavy hitters really came in. Uh, but for him, it was always Pitt or Penn State. And this is what uh, I, I really was interested in when I was talking to him uh, because he loved, obviously loved Penn State. Uh, Jay Juan Sider played a key role. Uh, Terry Smith, who's an Aliquippa native, uh, the cornerbacks coach and defensive recruiting coordinator uh, for Penn State. So integral in recruiting these Pittsburgh area kids, yeah. uh, did a really good job in this recruitment. Um, and so a lot of love for Penn State staff. And there was uh, you know, Penn State's you know, message, consistency. Um, how they basically made him feel whenever he, whenever he was on campus, which was a lot, uh, went a really long way. But uh, he was torn between Penn State and, and Pitt, at least for a time, because Pitt was the first school to offer him, and he visited a bunch. But um, for Penn State to come up with Quentin, it's, it's a big ad. And talking to his coach, not just from an athletic st- you know, skill set point of view, um, I've, I, you, know, you, you hear high school coaches you know, talk up their players quite a bit. And a lot of times it's like, yeah, I mean, his, you know, short area quickness or, you know, spatial awareness and all that kind of stuff. But I never heard a coach talk like off the field, you know, as, as much and as glowingly as Matt Humbert, the coach of Belvern and talked about Quentin Martin and about how he is a, a culture guy, you know, he, he, he's infectious in the locker room. He, um, you know, he really lives and breathes Belvern and, and, and that team and that program. And, um, and that he's going to be a culture guy when he comes into Penn State. And he's also – so he's not he's not a big ego guy. Like he doesn't – I don't think he's not – he's not a guy who is really going to be like, hey, I need 20 touches a game, yeah. uh, which works out as you look ahead and you talk about Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. They're going to be juniors uh, when Quentin Martin signs and enrolls, and he'll enroll early. Uh, so he'll be a, 
what you would think would be the third, maybe fourth, probably third tailback in that room uh, upon arrival, given his skill set and his pedigree. He's not going to have the kind of me, me, me attitude. I need to get carries uh, right away. I'm sure he'll be good enough to get carries right away, but um, he'll understand his role. And he already knows that Nick Singleton, he considers Nick Singleton a, a role model. Uh, he texts with him pretty regularly. Nick actually like sends him video cutups and film uh, motivational and, and words and words of encouragement uh, to Quentin. So they already have a really good relationship. It just feels like a hundred percent out of a you know hundred out of a hundred ad for Penn State, both you know on the field and off. Yeah, and I think it, you know during James's time, uh, you know, and I think it's part of the way that James wants his his players to kind of grow up uh, as men and as football players. Um, every once in a while, there'll be some flashy guys, but you know, it's 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 in the right way. They're very, they're not very demonstrative on the field. I think Omari Evans learned the hard way at the blue white game after celebrating after that touchdown that, Hey, let's, let's, it, the team comes first, you know, you find the end zone, act like you've been there before, but I mean, they're running backs like Saquon Barkley, the superstar. I mean, I thought he, he, he carried himself like a guy that uh, a team first guy, right? Miles Sanders, I thought was a team first guy, journey Brown, quiet guy, team first guy. So, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence. This is the kind of player that James Franklin and his staff gravitate to. It's it's not just about the talent. It, it, it does matter about locker room chemistry. It does work, it does matter about being a good team, teammate. And if and if you need if you need a heat check, James Franklin's the kind of guy that'll probably give you one or Jay Wan will give you one. But uh and Nick Singleton, I think, is is that way, and, and Katron too. So um he seems like he hits he fits the mold, blue chip player who uh they feel really good about as a locker room presence. I know you probably had a lot of fun writing about him. What about the other guys? Is anything you can share that sticks out to you right now about the uh, about the most recent commitments? How about the other running back? What 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 have you learned about him? Just one more note on Quentin Martin because uh, I forgot to add it in my little. I went on a little diatribe there. Um, he made me feel really old when he said that he. <laughs> When he said he grew up watching Penn State, like he yeah. said, and, and his next sentence was, "I grew up watching Saquon Barkley." Ew. And it's like that was what well, I guess it was eight years ago. So for uh, you know, seventeen-year-old kid, he's nine years old when he's watching Saquon in 2015, 2016. And I'm like, my yeah. god, yeah. Whenever they, whenever anyone mentions the 2005 Penn State team, that's oh, yeah. that's when I am like, yeah. <laughs> uh, just getting into my 40s then so but i mean yeah i, yeah. I, mean, I mean time passed time moves on right it's but tough. yeah it's funny it's funny what what age is right now to, to certain people but man i'm excited to see this guy penn state's got a pretty rich tradition not just of running backs from western pay but just great players from the, yeah. from the greater pittsburgh area and like quinton didn't grow up watching the sean lees and paul plus Lizzie's because that was probably a little too far back, but I mean, there, there is some there. I'm sure that there are some players that played at Penn state, not, not too far down the, down the timeline that I think that either the parents remember or the older brothers remember or, or the players remember. And Penn state really has got a, a great tie. I think to Western Pennsylvania. And really PA in general, when it comes to the running backs, like they've now like they hit the jackpot with Saquon Barkley. I mean, a kid who was looking yeah. like he was going to go to Rutgers and then, you yeah. know, ends up at Penn State. And the way that that all kind of turned out, it feels like at this point, you know, with the trajectory Penn State is on as a program, 
that they should never miss out on the top running back in the state. The yeah. way that they've been able to cultivate that pipeline, Saquon, uh, Miles Sanders, uh, Journey Brown, Nick Singleton, uh, London Montgomery. I think I'm, I might be missing one. Uh, there have been so many at this yeah. point. And now Quentin Martin. Uh, it, it's been really impressive to see that that sustained over a stretch where you've had two running backs coaches in that time, Charles Huff and then now Jay Wan Sider. And mm-hmm. so a lot of that comes from Franklin and the whole best in PA stays in PA messaging that uh, Quentin admitted was hammered home, uh, you know, quite a bit <laughs> from the staff. And but you know, it's a formula that has worked for Penn State. Um, and again, just the constant communication. Uh, they, they they stressed him and his uncle, uh, Quentin and his uncle, stressed that the communication end of things was really the big thing. Is that they were so that they were relaxed about it, but they're like, hey, if you got nothing else going on this weekend, come up for a visit. And there were so many situations where that happened, and you just kind of. You know, grow a greater attachment to to state college to happy valley and um yeah and and look now going forward like i mentioned Corey smith the, the wisconsin running back in the 2024 yeah. class uh he's projected to land with penn state so if they're able to get him in the 24 class that'd be huge to have him and quentin martin uh and they already have you know 2025 running back in keandre barker who um so he's from texas or excuse me he goes to high school in texas uh but he's from arkansas um and you know again four-star guy depending on where you look uh i know that he's ranked i believe the number 69th overall prospect in the country according to 24 7 sports uh it's it's a little early with the 25 class like when it comes to overall rankings and that kind of stuff so you want to take it with a pinch of salt but at the same time for him to be already considered ranked that highly it's only good vibes at this point for jaywan sider uh and soon enough they'll be they'll be looking to add a 2026 running back you know like that's how quickly recruiting goes at this point, Bob. So um, yeah, a really good, a really good few weeks um, for cider, for trout wine, as previously mentioned for Franklin and the program uh, kind of on the whole, because they've got three guys in now in the 25 class. And I expect that to grow over the next few weeks, but the 24 class is really looking strong. Johnny, it's going to be so exciting for you in a couple of years to hear like a Penn state running back recruit talk to you about growing up as a young kid watching Nick Singleton play. You're just going to, you're going to love, you're going to love, it's going to be music to your ears when you hear that. But uh, it's going to be like a Looney Tunes cartoon where like the head just like explodes (laughs) or like just drop an animal on my head at that point. Like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's going to be something. (laughs) I mean, the fact that he he already called it, the fact that Quentin already called Nick Singleton a role model. Yeah, he's a what 19 years old, but at the same time, you know, again, yeah. someone with his national profile sure. and everything, I get it. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's that's gonna be a tough pill to swallow when it's like, oh, I grew up watching Quentin Martin. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's well, for you, it's gonna be a yeah. very for me, I don't even know, like, I don't want to even go that far down, uh, my, my uh, future timeline, but Johnny, so you factor in recruiting and you factor in all of the things. That kind of have happened at Penn State since the Rose Bowl, right? We're all we're only talking really, we're only talking about what is it, three and a half months, like a you know, a hundred, hundred plus days or something like that. They we're still in the middle of April. It just feels to me like, I don't know. Uh, and I I, you know, I, I would I would if it wasn't true, I would be going the other way. But it just feels to me like the the last, you know, the last hundred or so days or whatever it was since the Rose Bowl. Um, 
really have not, I don't think they could have gone much better for Penn State's program in football program in, in just about any way, any way you want to, you want to look at it. And, you know, I'll start with something that was, I thought that was a little bit pivotal, but it probably does not stand out to most Penn State fans, and maybe it's not on your radar, but the way that James pivoted early in January um, and made a change at the wide receiver position, I bring it up only because I think James is the expectations that Penn State now after the Rose Bowl and after the way they've recruited, if he senses things aren't going the way that he wants them to and he senses you know, how close maybe this team is to really becoming truly that elite. He's mentioned elite before, and it's kind of bit him a little bit, but they've closed the gap, right? And the change he made at wideouts coach and pivoting and get, still get, being able to get, you know, our plan to get Dante Cephas, the Kent State receiver, you know, onto campus. But it just it just seems like, you know, even even when it looked like, hey, this could be a dire situation, you know, he makes a change. Um, some wide, some wideouts were able to step up late in spring. They're excited about Dante, but uh, everything I think that James, you know, needed to do, he's done. And I just wonder when you look at, at Penn State's offseason, whether it's um, the January enrollees, whether it's the Drew Aller's development, whether it's you know guys staying healthy, whether it's you know Manny Diaz back for, in his second year as DC, whether it's the recruiting success in 2024. And now 2025, what are two or three things that stand out to you maybe about just how I think interesting and unique the last three and a half months have been for Penn State? Yeah, going off the wide receiver situation with Marcus Hagans and uh, pivoting from Taylor Stubblefield, it has been a lot of uh, really good, really good vibes, really good you know, kind of news essentially over the last yeah. uh, couple months. But I really think the I think that kind of started with some negative stuff because they, after the season, they missed out on key yeah. wide receiver transfers that they wanted. Caden Prather uh, going to Maryland, uh, Dante Thornton, who was once verbally committed as a high school prospect to Penn state going from Oregon to Tennessee. Um, we know that that kind of helped prompt the Taylor Stubblefield dismissal uh, and, and moving on to Marcus Hagans. But yeah, I do like that. Uh, it's seemingly coming out of spring. You've got some separation at receiver with Keandre Langford Smith and Harrison Wallace uh, stepping up and taking on more of an on-field and off-field leadership role. Uh, and Dante Cephas was a big add uh, for them as well. I think another big thing was, and this was known a little bit before uh, the Stubblefield news, I believe, um, but the fact that Olu Fashanu decided to come back. Yeah. Um, and I think that was even decided on his end, like at, really during the season or at the you know, after the after that Ohio State game that he got injured in, um, but to hear that news and have that confirmation uh, that you know for Nick Singleton and Catron Allen in the backfield, for Drew Aller at quarterback, that you've got a guy like that protecting your blind side, protecting and then opening up holes on the left side of the line. It's huge. Um, and then into spring, I, I just look at the development of the young talent because. Yeah. We know that there were guys who were either limited or out in spring ball. Uh, it is spring ball after all, but it's opportunity for these young guys. And to come away without any major injuries, uh, because James said that all the guys who were either out in the spring game or during camp um, will be ready for the fall, which is great news. So they came out unscathed in that end. 
And to see young players like Tony Rojas and KJ Winston, deny Dennis Sutton continue to develop. And um, yeah, there's just a lot of pieces uh, that for a team that lost so many players and we'll have, you know, six, seven guys drafted here next weekend for them to feel as good as they feel um, top to bottom on the roster is a testament to the coaching staff and, and a testament to where the program is right now that they can retain certain players that, you know, certain players who maybe um, at other programs would have looked elsewhere if they were backups decided to stay and stick it out. And they're, you know, being able to work in and develop depth last year. Um, I, I don't know. That, that's kind of a convoluted answer. Cause you asked, you asked for like two or three things and I gave you like, that's all right. I gave you a bunch of stuff, okay. but I just think like it's really from, from the spot where it's okay. You know, they miss out on these transfer wide receivers, the way that James pivoted and the way that the program has kind of just, you know, been on a roll ever since. Um, there hasn't been too much negative pop up uh, on the field, at least. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I think kind of all all full go going into the summer now, uh, where they'll have summer workouts, and then soon enough we got yeah. training camp. Yeah, Johnny, and I think as we get close to wrapping this up, it's it's uh, it's kind of interesting how it kind of matches up. We mentioned the wide receiver room, Marcus Higgins, um, Taylor Stubblefield, that being. Hey, third receiver, but really third receiver, fourth receiver. It can't, it can't just be three. A couple guys step up, but the other the other position, defensive tackle, right? They have a new position coach too, Dion Barnes. So the storylines that are going to extend past spring into August, you know, pending some maybe some new additions via the portal. It, it's just it's kind of interesting that a couple of maybe potentially problematic areas maybe maybe not or but you also have some new voices and some new faces that are kind of in charge of developing those positions so i think it's going to be really interesting to watch because um it's going to be a great challenge for the new coaches for marcus and dion but i mean if you see some growth from the defensive tackle room and you see some growth from the wideouts we, we really don't know about yet um, that both even and that that's even that really reflects well, I think, on James uh, for for being able to find these guys and turning potential you know question marks into you know solid pieces or even strengths. Because last year at this time, I would have not bet a lot of money on the offensive line stepping up. I would have been really worried about linebacker, um, and you see how things played out. So it's it's just going to be fun to follow that Johnny is there any other thing on the recruiting trail Penn State fans should kind of be on the lookout for if not you know in the next week or so but maybe in you know in the off season whether it's it's May or June is there anything you're going to be watching what what do you think is next for Penn State recruiting yeah I just think it more in like the short term in these next couple weeks the the portal is still open and I think that's something you got to focus on now. I'm sure the, the staff is focused on it uh, before we get into May and June, even the fact that the portal is open till the end of the month and they want to add a defensive tackle. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to add an offensive lineman. And I mentioned on the last podcast, they already offered uh, the kid from Wyoming who was getting offers from every power five program in the country, it seems. Um, so they're going to be active in the portal. And that's just something to keep an eye on really over the next um, next week, week and a half or so yeah. uh, before it closes, because, you know, it was this time last year that Penn State uh, got a commitment from Chop Robinson. It was a yeah. little different timeline 
because then he ended up signing later. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, and he, he turned out to be one of the, what, five, six best players on the roster, one of the best pass rushers in the Big Ten. And uh, if you look at advanced stats in the country, uh, yeah. and so if they're able to add an impact guy like that, uh, you know, at whatever position, preferably for them, defensive tackle. I don't know if that kind of talent is out there. Um, aside from the kid leaving Georgia, it looks like he's probably going to go to USC. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even it, even if it's a rotational piece at D-tackle or elsewhere, um, if they're able to add more depth to this team, it can only help. Because I think they're in, they're in a good spot right now. Um, they can always be in a better spot. They can always add uh, another, you know, another piece or two and uh, and try to make this push for – what they want, you know, they, they've talked about it. The players have talked about it. You know, Big Ten title, compete for a national championship, all that kind of good stuff. So, um, yeah, the portal is something to watch here over the next couple of weeks for sure. All right, Penn State fans, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Blue-White Breakdown. And remember, just because Penn State spring practice is over and, you know, there might be a little bit of a lull in terms of recruiting, Next week, it's all about NFL draft season for Penn State. There's going to be a lot to talk about, a lot to get to. They've got some really talented players that are going to get picked uh, in the draft. Um, uh, the draft will start a week. That's actually a week, from, I think, from today, April 27th. I think that's right. 27th through the 29th, including Joey Porter. We'll have to find out where Jair Brown, Brenton Strange, you know, Parker Washington and his health, you know, Juice Scruggs, Sean Clifford. We'll find out uh, where these guys are going to spend you know, next year. Uh, in NFL City. So it'll be exciting to watch. And I think, you know, with the way that they're recruiting, Johnny, uh, you're going to see these draft classes at Penn State continually get bigger and larger, and you're going to see kids start start to get picked earlier and earlier in drafts. And it really starts with what well, James Franklin was kind of, his mission when he got here was to become a, 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 you know, an even better recruiter, and he's doing it. And I think you're going to see it in future NFL drafts. So that's it for the blue-white breakdown. Johnny, get some rest. Um, and we will be back hopefully next week to talk about uh, some NFL draft stuff. I, I'm sure everyone wants to know where Joey Porter is going to go, but uh, we'll be back next week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live.